Well, last week, Pastor Nate started our 10-week series in the Psalms, and we began in Psalm 23. Uh, the Lord is our shepherd, and, and he is the one. He leads us uh, through the valley of the shadow of death. He guides us, protects us, he provides for us. And, and on the other side of this valley, other side of this darkness, is a field of green pastures where he makes us lie down by still waters where he restores our soul. But what happens when the dark valley doesn't open into a green pasture? What happens when you get through the valley and on the other side there, there aren't still waters, but, but the valley goes even darker? The valley takes you even further. And what happens when the valley begins to narrow in and it comes to a dead end stop and it is so dark, you can't see the hand in front of your face. Grab your Bible, open up to Psalm 142. Psalm 142. When life is dark, when life is, is overwhelming, when it feels confusing, depressing, what, what do you do when you find yourself alone and hurting? What do you do when you feel like life itself is, is trapping you like a prison? Have you ever thought to yourself, does, does anyone see me? Does anyone care for my soul? Psalm 142. First thing that we notice is this title. The title says that you are my refuge. And so we know somewhere in these seven verses, church, we are gonna find hope in the midst of this dark and cold cave. Today, I wanna give us three ways. Three ways that the Lord is our refuge. And under the title, you'll see a note or it's an inscription. My Bible says it's a maskil of David when he was in the cave a prayer. So we know three things. We, we know that David wrote this. He wrote this while he was in a cave and he wrote this as a prayer. And so every, uh, everything that we're reading in this Psalm today is driving us to pray. The way that we apply this Psalm, interpret this Psalm is through the context of prayer. Well, I haven't spent much, much time in caves, but the last month I've, I've been working in a crawl space under a house and, and I can relate to a cave. Have you ever been in a crawl space? Like the name says everything that you need to know about a crawl space. It is a crawl space, right? I mean, crawl spaces, they have this door like on the side of the house, but it's not like a real door. I mean, it's, it's like a door like this that you have to like suck it in and squeeze through, like worm your way in and out of. The house that I'm working on, it's, it's a, well, it's an old house. So under the house, this old house, it's, I mean, the sun hasn't seen this dirt for like a hundred years. I mean, it's this dirt that smells like old dirt, not just dirt, it's old dirt. If you have issue of, of getting dirty or a fear of, fear of the darkness or if you're afraid of spiders, the crawl spaces is not the place for you. I mean, spend a day under a house, like belly crawling on your hands and knees, dust's falling down from the floor joists, you've got gas line, sewer line, electrical cable, coax cable. I mean, the whole thing is just one giant cobweb. See, this is the picture. This is the mood of Psalms 142. This is not wide open green fields and green pastures and still waters. This is dark. This is cold. The setting here that David is writing in, it's, it's depressing. It's overwhelming. The, the, the caves are, are crushing in. David is He's crawling on his hands and knees in this cave and he's, he's questioning everything in life. 
how did I get here? How do I get out of here? Psalm 142. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him and I tell my trouble before him. Look at these words, cry out and plead for mercy. I pour out, I, I complain to the Lord and I tell the Lord my troubles. There's 150 Psalms and and 116, so 116 of them have an inscription, an inscription or or this note, this footnote. And this this gives us some clues. It gives us some context for not just who wrote it, but, but what's happening during their life. Like what's leading to this Psalm? See, this means that Psalms aren't just poetry. Psalms are a part of biography. And these are real people. These aren't just words on a page. This is a real person, a real place. There are real problems. See, there's a whole story behind the psalm. And so help us, to help us dive into Psalms 142, I want to, to help us unpack some of the backstory to get some context for, for why David is here. And why is David in this moment praying in this cave? What is going on in his life that led up to this point? Well, David is in this cave because he's, he's hiding from King Saul. King Saul is hunting him down. Saul is jealous. David has more attention, more fame. Saul doesn't like it. Saul is jealous. He is furious. And now an an evil spirit has has descended and possessed uh, Saul, and he has just lost it. Before this, uh, Saul threw a spear at David three different times. The first time, I mean, David barely saw it coming. And just last second, he ducks out of the way and just, what is going on? The, The second time, David is realizing, hey, there's a pattern here. This this is becoming an issue that that Saul is trying to pin me against the wall. The third time, David is realizing that Saul wants him dead. To make it even more complicated, that that David married Saul's daughter, but it doesn't stop Saul. He sent men to their home, assassins to his daughter's home. So as David wakes up in the morning, these men were, the plan was to kill him as he's in his sleep, laying in bed with his daughter. Doesn't work. Saul's wife, his, uh, Saul's, David's wife, Saul's daughter finds out, escapes and uh, tells David he escapes. He jumps through the window in the middle of the night and he's now on the run. And so his father-in-law, the most powerful man in the country, King Saul, is, is on just unhinged. He has just lost it. He's possessed with an evil spirit, and he is now with an army hunting down David. David is alone. He's unarmed, no weapons. He's hungry. He's afraid. So he leaves Jerusalem in the middle of the night, and he runs to the city of Nob. Have you ever heard of the city of the Nob? See, that's the point. Nobody has. Like, it's, it's a small little town. It's this, like, hole in the wall, out of the way. David knew the priest at Nob, and so David comes to the priest. He, he knocks on the door in the middle of the night, and the priest immediately knows that something is wrong. The Bible says he's trembling as he opens the door for David. He asks David, why are you alone? Why is nobody with you? Well, David lies. He makes up this the story that he's on his top secret mission, and he's hungry, so he asks for food. The problem is the priest, all the food that the priest has is holy bread. That's this this bread that was uh, by law could only be eaten by a priest that was designated for the Lord as a sacrifice. So David lies to the priest, takes the holy bread. I mean, this is like breaking into the church and stealing communion. Like there are just some things like you just don't do. There's lines that you don't cross. And David is desperate crossing that line. 
David says to the priest, do you have a spear? Do you have a sword? I have no weapons. Well, it just so happens this is where Goliath's sword was kept. So the priest asks David, hey, will, will this work? And David says, that'll be just fine. David has five loaves of holy bread and a giant killing sword, but he's out of places to run. He's out of places to hide. I mean, he went to the smallest, the most remote, this hole in the wall little town, the city of Nob, but Saul's men are now catching up to him. The assassins are coming. And so David goes to the very last place on the planet that Saul would ever look for him. He goes from Nob to the city of Gath. Question, where is Goliath from? Goliath of Gath. This means that David is so desperate he takes Goliath's sword to the streets of Gath. Why? Because this is the last place on earth that Saul would look for him. I mean, you've got to be crazy. You have to be insane for David to go to the enemy's camp, to go to their hometown city. It's a great plan. Immediately it fails. Right away, the people recognize this is David. I mean, this is the man who chopped the head off their hometown hero. They are not happy. So now what? David is out of places to run, out of places to hide. His identity has been blown. So what does he do? He acts crazy. He, he, he acts insane. He starts drooling, foaming at the mouth, spitting. I mean, this is a man after God's own heart, the anointed king of Israel. And he starts clawing with his fingernails, scratching the doors. The guards come, they, they arrest him, they take him to the king and, and the king is, is like, well, what do I do with this man? I mean, this, this is a madman. I mean, he, he says, do I lack madmen in the city of Gath? No, get, get rid of them. So David is now out, out of places to run, out of places to hide, out of places to go, out of people to go to. So where does he go? First Samuel 22, verse one. David departed from there. He departed from Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. That's the context. That's the background. This, this is now the cave that David is hiding in, that he is alone, that he is now crying out to the Lord, and he writes this psalm. See, as Christians, we have hope. We have hope that even in the midst of our circumstances, even in the midst of, of when life does not make sense, when life is turned upside down and, and the walls begin to, to squeeze in on us and it feels like that we are in this, this dark, hopeless, helpless cave, we, we can still have hope, but this doesn't mean we don't hurt. It hurts, it's hard. Real people, real place, real problem. This is life. David writes this psalm of lament, and the reason it's a lament is David is lamenting. He is giving up his soul to the Lord. And the reason it's here is because God wants us to know what to do when we're not okay. David is not okay. He doesn't deserve this. He's supposed to be the king. He didn't do anything wrong. This isn't his fault. He can't see his family. He can't be with his wife. He can't see his friends. His lost his job, his reputation, his honor are gone. He can't even get a decent meal without stealing and lying. He's hiding in a cave. He's sleeping on old dirt, surrounded by spiders. He's scared. He's never been so alone. 
The Lord is my refuge. And this means that the Lord listens. See, when life is is dark and cold, depressing, when it's overwhelming, when life just feels like it is crushing, Psalms 142, with with my voice, I I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him and I, I tell my trouble before him. See, David doesn't sit in silence. He cries out. He pleads, he pours out his soul. He tells the tr- Lord his troubles. He, he complains to the Lord. See, silence leads to despair. Crying out leads to dependence. If you wanna get somebody's attention, you don't whisper. If you want somebody to hear you, you don't just say it on the inside. If, you, if something is, is truly important, you don't just say it one time. If, if you want the Lord to hear you, if you want the Lord's attention, cry out. See, the Lord is my, my refuge, and this means that he, he listens. David doesn't suffer in silence. He, he doesn't um, hold himself hostage by, by keeping his, his doubts and his fears up here. No, he, he voices it. He complains about it. He tells the Lord his trouble. He, he cries out to the Lord. But here's the thing, not just one time. This is the eighth Psalm that David wrote as he was running from King Saul. The eighth Psalm. That in this moment when, when life is, is alone and dark, it's pressing in. David doesn't know where to go, what to do. He doesn't know who he can trust, where he's gonna find his next meal or help. What does he do? He laments. He, he cries out to the Lord. And when we lament, the Lord listens. He listens. And we can cry out over and over and over and over and over and over and over over. Eighth Psalm. See, David doesn't just cry out. He, he lets it all out. This is how the Lord moves us from desperation and despair to dependence. See, we're not, we're not led by our emotions. We're led by the Lord. He, he is our shepherd. He's the one who leads us. And so he, he, he leads us to himself. He's not just a person, he's the place. He's the place that we go to. He's our refuge. This, this means he is the one that we immerse ourselves in when we don't know what to do, when we don't know where to go, when we don't know who we can trust, who we can talk to, we go to the Lord because the Lord listens. Verse three, and when my spirit faints within me, have you ever felt that? We're just like, life just feels dry, just feels like withered up, just feels like there's just like nothing left, no energy. My spirit faints within me. You know my way. See, when you, you don't know if you can get out of bed in the morning, when you're just questioning is, is life worth it? When you just want the hurt and the pain to stop and to go away and your spirit, your soul just feels like it's just fainted within you. 
you know my way. See, the Lord is our refuge, and this, this means that he knows. He knows. The Lord knows. See, when God takes you through the valley and you, you can't see what's around that corner, you can't see what's over that next hill. When you're in the valley and the walls are just, they're, they're narrowing in, they're beginning to cave in on you and you, and you don't know what's next, it, it might open up to a green pasture. I hope so. It might lead to still waters. It might lead to the place where the Lord restores your soul or it might go deeper. It might go further. It might get darker. The cave presses in. The Psalms are real people, real places, real problems. This is real life that God knows what's happening. He knows that right now that God knows what's happening. He knows where you've come from. He knows this year's been hard. He knows these last six weeks have just been brutal. And this, it's just been long it's been dark, it's been lonely, discouraging. He knows. He knows what's ahead. He knows where tomorrow's gonna land. He knows what life looks like in the future. He knows your way. He knows what you can handle. He knows your limits. He knows your breaking point. He doesn't just know, he has the power over all things. And this means that, that he will not break you. He won't crush you. See, the Lord knows what's best for you. And our shepherd, he, he leads us, he, he guides us, he provides for us, he protects us, he loves us. But sometimes our shepherd needs to take us to the cave, not to punish us. It's not to punish. He wants to spend time. He wants to meet us. He wants to be not just a person, but the place where we encounter him one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, I want to go to the green pastures. <laughs> Still waters sound really nice. I mean, to have our soul restored, Lord, take me there. But how do we get there? See, the place where, where life just feels like it slows down, it's the cave. This is where the Lord does the deep work inside of us to truly change us and transform us. A place where it just feels like life is just closing in and just feels like it's on the breaking point where, where life is about to stop and it's here and it's in the silence where, where we are all, all alone. It's just you and the Lord. This is the place that the Lord works. Verse three, in the path where I walk, they have, have hidden a trap for me. God doesn't trap you. God doesn't set you up and trick you. It says they trap you. The world tries to trap you. The world tries to trick you. The world tries to deceive you. The enemy tries to trap you, not the Lord. This means when we're walking through the valley in the shadow of death and it's, it's dark and it's, it's hard to see your footing. It's hard to see what's ahead of you. And there are traps in front of you. You've got to be following with the Lord. The Lord is your shepherd. He's the one who moves the traps out of the way. He's the one who says, don't step there. Don't go there. Don't do that. Out of love, he warns us. He guides us. But often the traps are up here. Often the trap, it's right here. That we deceive ourselves, that, that we doubt. Verse four. 
look to the right and see, there is none who take notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. Have you ever been there? Have you ever thought that? Nobody sees me. There's no hope for me. No one cares for my soul. See, this is the trap. It's right here. That we deceive ourselves. That we sit and that we, we suffer in silence. And this despair begins to, to build to doubt, discouragement, depression. But the Lord knows. The Lord listens. The Lord knows. The Lord sees. If it's not bad enough for, cave, for, for David right now as he's writing this, crying out to the Lord, praying in this cave of Adullam, this cave, this, this is the same cave that David is hiding in right now. This is the same cave that, that is up in the valley or it's, it's, it's up in the hills and, and it overlooks the valley, the same valley where David defeated Goliath. How many times do you think David went out to the edge of this cave and looked out over the valley? Where do you think his mind went? I mean, he can still see the shadow of how big the giant was. He can, he can hear the shouts of the men both sides of the army. He, he can still feel the, the cold steel armor of Saul being placed on him, but it's too heavy. I, I can't fight in that. He, he remembers the feel of that small, smooth stone, that rock. See, when we remember what the Lord has done for us, when we get out to that edge of the cave and, and we look back over our, our life and our past of where we've come from, I mean, this, this can go in one of two ways. It can lead to despair. It can lead to, to doubt and discouragement and anger because I don't deserve this. I didn't sign up for this. Nobody sees me. Nobody loves me. There's no hope. No one cares for my soul. Why would God do this? And our questions become accusations and frustrations. Our complaints become bitterness and anger. And we deceive ourselves up here. This is the trap where we deny the goodness of God, where we deny and doubt that God is mercy, that God is good, that God, he doesn't even know what he's doing. This is unfair. Why, God? That's the lament. Why would God do this? Or when we look back to the past and we remember that we can remember God showed up. God saved me. I was just a kid with a toy slingshot and a rock and the Lord dropped a giant. And if he did that then, he can do that again. See, no one sees me. No one cares for me. There's no hope. This, this is what we tell ourselves when we want to feel sorry for ourselves. And so we look back. And how does the Lord move us from, from despair and discouragement and from doubt to dependence? Well, the Lord responds. 
The Lord knows exactly what we need when we need it. First Samuel 22, verse one, David departed from there. He departed from Gath and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all of his family's house heard it, they went down to him and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became the commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. David goes from looking around and not seeing anyone to being surrounded by 400 men. Do you know who these men are? These are David's mighty men. These are the men through the Old Testament who stand with David, who fight with David, who retake and recapture the nation and the throne and the crown for King David. I mean, these are the men who who have his back. See, when we step out to the edge of the cave and we look back and see what God has done, when we remember that God won't leave us here forever, that we're here for a reason. See, David had to go through this dark season before he could become a man after God's own heart. This isn't a mistake in God's plan. This is God's plan. This is a part of God's plan. The cave, the darkness, the walls crushing in, everything that's happening when David is, is alone and crying out and lamenting to the Lord, that the Lord is using this. He is turning his, his hurt into hope. That God is preparing him to be the leader of men, to be the king of a nation. See, the Lord is, is my refuge. He, he listens, he knows, and he has a reason. Verse five, I cry out to you, O Lord. And I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of living. Attend to my cry. Why? What's the reason? For I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors. Why? For they're too strong to me. I can't do it on my own. Lord, I need you to show up. I need you to step in. I need you to fight for me. Bring me out of prison. Why? What's the reason? What's the purpose? that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me. Why? For you will deal bountifully with me. See, instead of just feeling sorry for himself and giving up, David takes all of his hurt. He takes all of his, his laments, all of his heartbreak and his anger and his frustrations and confusions, and, and he turns us into a confidence. He, he turns us back to the Lord with this dependence because he knows, Lord, this is exactly where I need to be. It's not where I want to be. I'm asking you to deliver me, attend to me, bring me, rescue me, set me free from this prison. But Lord, this is where I need to be. This isn't a mistake. This is not an accident. God knows what he's doing. David doesn't want to stay here. He wants out, but he realizes he doesn't have the strength to do it on his own. He needs the Lord to, to intervene, to step up and to show up, that, that he needs the Lord's strength. See, this is his dependence on the Lord. Verse seven, David says, to bring me out of this prison where his life in this cave just feels like he's in a prison the next word, this is the reason, this is the purpose. This explains everything. When everything else has been confusing and all he has is questions, this is the answer. Why? Why is David hurting? Why is he hated? Why is he being hunted? Why is he forced to hide in a cave that feels like a prison? That I may give thanks to your name. 
That's the reason. That when our soul is satisfied, regardless of our circumstances, when our soul is satisfied that we are confident and, and dependent on the Lord, he is glorified. That when we truly believe the goodness, the mercy, the promises, the love, the plan that the Lord has for us in spite of our circumstances, that we can lament, that we can turn our, our hurt into hope. And regardless of what happens, that I may give thanks to your name. See, when our soul is satisfied, when our soul has, has been restored and calmed and quieted, when our soul has, has turned from, from despair discouragement to now dependence and confidence. When our soul is satisfied, God is glorified. We give thanks. Psalms 142, this is a prayer. This, this is how we apply this passage. Prayer is what we do and we don't know what to do. Prayer is, is how we lament and, and we, we turn our, our hurt into hope. And we don't just say it, and we believe it and we cry it out. And over and over and over. This is how we move from, from despair and disappointment, depression, discouragement. This is how we move from this place to the place of dependence, confidence. That the Lord is my refuge. He's not just the person that we go to. He's, he's the place that we go to. That we immerse ourselves, and that we encounter him. And so God, um, because he listens, because God knows, because God has a reason, this doesn't mean that prayer is unnecessary. It's the opposite. This is the reason why we pray. The fact that the Lord listens, we pray. The reason that he knows, that's why we pray. Because he has a reason for us, that's why we pray. And we can honestly say that no matter what happens in life, no matter how dark my pain no matter how deep my problems, the Lord is my refuge. And we can praise. Where are you at today? There's, there's three options. And maybe right now you're, you're finding yourself in, in the wide open fields, green pastures, surrounded by the still waters and, and the Lord has restored your soul. Praise the Lord. It's a good place to be. That's where we all wanna be, but you may not be there forever. Maybe you're in, the, in this path and you're, you're walking on the journey through the valley and, and the, the walls are, are getting a little steeper and, and life is getting a little harder. And it's getting a little bit darker. It's, it's harder to see what's, what's coming next and, and you're hoping it opens up into a valley. You're hoping there are fields of green pastures, but you don't know. You're on the journey. You don't know what's next. You don't know what's coming around the corner or over the next hill. Maybe today you're in the cave and it's dark, it's lonely. You're just wondering if anybody sees you. Does anyone care? Hey, this is how we cry out to the Lord, that we lament, we turn our hurt into hope, that we move not from our own strength, but from despair to dependence that we win the war up here, that we aren't deceived. We don't accuse. We don't doubt the goodness of God, but we know that he knows what he's doing and he has you exactly where he wants you to be. 
He's preparing you for something. And what's next? Wherever you are, the Lord listens and he knows and he has a reason. With my voice, I cry out to the Lord. With my voice, I, I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell him my trouble before him. And when my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they've hidden a trap for me. I look to the right and see there's, there's none who take notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. So what do we do? I cry out to you, O Lord, and I say confidently, I say with dependence, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of living. Lord, attend to my cry, for I'm brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're too strong for me. Bring me out of this prison. Why? That I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Lord, we need you. Lord, we, we cry out. These are not just words on the page. These, this is a, a life story. Lord, this, this is an example for us. It's here for a reason, to give us hope. Lord, that when life is, is hard and dark and cold and pressing in, when life just feels like we're just crawling on our hands and knees, Lord, Lord, would you show up and help us? And that doesn't mean that you're immediately removing us from our pain, but Lord, you're with us. Lord, it's in this, this moment, Lord, that you can deal deeply in our soul. That's how we're restored. That's where the true healing comes. So Lord, give us the faith to believe that no matter where we are in life and circumstances, no matter how hard these last few weeks or months or years have been, Lord, that you are good. Lord, that your character is good. Your plan is good. That you have us exactly where you want us to be. You know what you're doing. So by faith, we, we run to you, not in our strength, independence, we cry out. We lament, Lord, help us. Lord, save us. Lord, rescue us. And we give thanks. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen.